Well, I just want to share with you just a few thoughts. First of all, I heard this week that uh, a young recording artist, when she was 24 years old in 1994, was asked to write a Christmas song, and she was under pressure, and in 15 minutes she wrote what has become one of the world's favorite Christmas songs. I mean, this song has been number one on Billboard Hot 100 for three Christmases in a row. I mean, it was number one in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Additionally, this song reached a new milestone on Wednesday. I'm talking Wednesday of this year, when Spotify announced that this song had streamed a billion times. This artist has over the course of the years made $60 million on this song. She earns about a million dollars a year because everybody in the world is singing it. Now, I wonder if you could help me out and see if you can come up with the title of this song. I'm gonna feed you the first few lines of the first verse. Here we go. I'm not singing and I'm not dancing. So help me out. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make, make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. Now, I don't know what you want for Christmas. I started thinking, Lord, could you help me write a really nice Christmas song? A passive income of a million dollars every year at Christmas wouldn't be a bad thing. What do you think? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, what does God want for Christmas? And I'm here to tell you that the complexity and the, the awesomeness of the story of Christmas says what God wants for Christmas is you. He wants you. You know, the story of this world is that human beings decided to turn their back on God and we had this idea that if I could just be free to do whatever I want, then I would be free and my life would be perfect. I don't need a God telling me what to do. I don't want to be confined by any rules and regulations. And, and so that has been the experiment of humanity since the very beginning. And the only thing that we didn't really understand at the beginning is this, that you may be free to do whatever you want to do, any way you want to do it, any time you may want to do it, but you will not be free from the bad consequences of going against the plan of the creator, the one who designed all things and even you in your own heart. You look around at our world and, man, I tell you what, there's just a lot of stuff that's gone wrong. I don't know if you would agree with that, but, I mean, there's pain and sorrow and depression and loneliness and there's anger and abuse and war and violence and that, is, that has been and continues to be the story of the world. And then there was this expectation, if you read through the Bible, that one day God would come. That one day God would come and help us clean this all up. Even clean us, ourselves up. And then we get to the story that we love to talk about at Christmas. And that is that God came to 
a virgin by the name of Mary with a message. And he told her, you've been chosen. I'm coming. And the way God would come would be the most humble, almost unnoticeable way. I want to tell you this, you know what? Nobody's scared of a baby. And the angel told Mary, you've been chosen. You're going to conceive a child, and that child's going to be from God. This is the most amazing story, really. You might, you might say, I, I have a hard time understanding or believing that. You're in good company. I get it. You should feel that way. But it's true. You know, I wonder if Mary put it together that, oh, I'm, I'm kind of understanding it. That obscure verse in Isaiah 7, 14 that nobody quite understood went like this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And nobody knew what to do with that verse. What in the world is that about? A virgin will conceive. That doesn't happen. There's no way. And how does that have anything to do with God being with us? And then now, the angel is in front of Mary, and he tells her, you've been chosen. And Mary consents, be it done to me. I'm, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. And then she has to go and tell her fiancé, Joseph. Hey, Joseph, um, i got to tell you something. I'm expecting a baby, and it's, it's not your baby. He says, I know it's not my baby. Okay, so what happened, Joseph, was this angel appeared to me and told me that I was going to conceive and it would be the child of God. And, and he's like, yeah, okay. And then Joseph, I think, who truly loved her, the Bible describes how he went away and he tried to figure this thing out. How in the world could he graciously get out of this terrible situation and then find a place where he could mend his broken heart. And then another angel showed up to Joseph. And the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, the child conceived in Mary's womb is in fact the son of God. So what I'm asking you to do is I want you to marry her and take her to be your wife. And I want you to provide for her and protect her. I want you to name this baby that she's going to deliver. And his name is, needs to be Jesus. And you're the one who will have the authority to name him. Name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know what God wants for Christmas this year? He wants you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be your savior. He's ready and willing to forgive you of all of your sin. You know, I love the passage in Luke for this reason. And the children did such a, they did a much better job reading that than I can ever do. But you know, when you, when you would think about the coming of God, I'm not sure I would have pushed my way to the front to be there and be the first one he saw when he came. Because, I don't know, 
but it seems to me I would be very much aware of the fact that I have disappointed God so many times. I mean, I'm, I'm a preacher, right? And I look good, and act good, look, look good and act good on stage. But I don't want to read you my history. I, I am just blessed to have received the gift of God, the grace of God. That's all of our story. And when the angels came, they, they said to the, to, to, um, the shepherds, um, now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. You know, even, even though it was God's plan to keep Jesus quite an anonymous, so to speak, you know, ordinary, um, he had to be that way in order to accomplish the mission. He had to become one of us. He wasn't a celebrity. He wasn't a superstar. He didn't get extra perks. He was born to just a working class family. I mean, that's who he was. Nobody noticed him for 30 years. And, and the, the angels, it's, it's almost like heaven couldn't completely conceal the glory of the unfolding plan of redemption. And so when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the skies erupted with multitudes of angels. It was almost like we gotta tell somebody. We gotta do something because what they're not noticing is that God has come to rescue people. And the angels said unto the shepherds who were, they were scared out of their minds, can you imagine? They said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That's y'all. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And then they immediately went. And they, they were going to go, but before they left, the chorus of angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts begin praising God, and this is what they said. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. You know, God could have come, and he could, but he could have come, and he could have said, I'm going to make you pay. He could have come and said, man, you disgust me, but I'm going to do this he could, but you know what the angel said? Hey, you got to know the heart of God. Peace, goodwill toward man. Jesus, after he began his ministry, summed up what was going on in John 3, 16 to 17. Many of you might know this verse or have heard of it before. It goes simply like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So I don't know what you think God thinks about you tonight, but I want to just tell you this. What Jesus said was he loved you. He didn't come to, come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to, to enter into a personal relationship with every one of you. God wants to love you. He wants to bring you close. He paid the price of our sin. 
1 John 4.10 says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now here's the truth about love. Love is risky business. If you love someone, you literally have now taken them on your heart. And every pain they feel, you're gonna feel, because that's the way love works. If you're a parent here today, you understand that, don't you? Love is costly. And God says, I love you so much, I'm gonna pay for you. And whosoever believes in him, Jesus, will not perish but have everlasting life. So if somebody loves you so greatly, you must respond. When I was about 10 years old, I had a really good friend. Our families were so close, we would spend Christmases together often. This girl was a little bit older than me, but we, then we hung out together. We, we, we played all kinds of games. We jumped off mountains together, literally, because it was in the mountains where we would go visit them. And, you know, I was about 10. She was somewhere in that range, and we were exploring what it's like to have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. You know how that goes. And so we begin to have this conversation. Hey, um, so do you, uh, do you like me? And none of, neither one of us would admit or talk about it. Now, we were 10, so there was no way we were going to go nuclear and use the word love. Uh-uh, ain't going to happen. We weren't sure what that was all about, actually. So we were, one day we were kind of talking and exploring and what would it be like if it was not just friends, but like could we be like more? What is more? We didn't know. So we said, okay, here's the deal. We got a piece of paper, tore it in two. Both of us had a blank piece of paper and a pen. And we said this, okay, if you like me, write the answer. It's either yes or no. That's all it is. So, the challenge had been given. I got my pen out. She wrote on her paper. I did like this on mine. We exchanged papers. And when I got hers, I was delighted because she wrote yes. And when she opened mine, it was blank. I had double-crossed her. Needless to say, the relationship didn't go any further. Because here's the deal. You got to do something with love. I know that many people know the story of Christmas. Maybe even know that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the question tonight is, have you ever believed on him? Have you ever told him, Jesus, I believe in you, I need you, I want you? You know what Jesus wants for Christmas? He wants you. I started with a song, I'm gonna end with one. 
You know, one of the greatest hymns of all time is the song Amazing Grace. How many of you have ever heard that song? Yeah. Even people who don't go to church know that song. It's amazing. Amazing Grace. You know, it was written by a guy whose name was John Newton. John, his mother was a Christian and no doubt taught him a little bit about what that meant. But then when he was only seven years old, she died. He's seven years old. He's all alone. By the time he was 11, he got his job on a ship. He was raised and discipled by rugged, vulgar sailors. And he says, I wasn't a very good man. He says, I thought that the principles of free thinking and arrogant, insubordinate behavior and moral abandon, I mean, I sinned with a heavy, with a high hand, he said, and, and I made it my study to tempt other people and seduce them to abandon what they believed and come in my direction. And then in 1747, on a ship, on the way home, they were overtaken by an enormous storm and John Newton had been reading the book by Thomas Akempis entitled The Imitation of Christ and he was struck by the fact that he, he actually felt like he could die in that storm. And he remembered a verse that was referenced that is in Proverbs that said this, because I've called you and you refused, I will laugh at your calamity. And it was that encounter with death, the reality of God, his sin and his need to, to be rescued that changed him forever because on that night he believed in Jesus and he reached out in prayer to Jesus and he was saved. And his life was never the same after that. You know what his next job was? He became a pastor. And then he wrote this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear is great and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed do you know what God wants for Christmas he wants you he wants you he wants you to just believe in him just cry out to him and ask him to forgive you and save you and direct you I want to ask you to bow your heads if you would.